virtual lady. Oh, oh there, there she is. There she is. <laughs> or concurrently, there she goes. There, there she, she goes, goes again. again. <laughs> she calls Roman's name. That's a little, no, that uh, really good so I married an axe murderer joke for you, Roman. Oh, I don't know that movie, but Mike Myers is on the cover. I saw it back in the 80s. I don't remember a thing about it, including that, that song. Fucking song was in it. Catch I up. Bro. I know that okay. from a different movie. <laughs> I don't know. There he go. There he go. Romans. Romans eternal theme song. Yeah, that's the only go song that matters. Oh, Colette, eat that shit, Colette. What do you got there? Is that a Reese's, you dirty peanut butter chocolate woman? Oh, take five, lady. Take five. Give yourself five minutes. Take those five and munch that shit. Look at that. Oh, yeah. Look at her. Look at her. Yeah. (laughs) What's that song called? There she goes. There she goes. By like, you know, the same people who do like. That's a band? Yeah. Based on the book. You know, that's a name that they took based on a... Uh, <laughs> Finally, a, a reference a, I get. <laughs> a small joke store in Spokane called Boo Radley's. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's why they, that band is named that. Is it really? Yeah. It's down no. the riverfront park, Boo Radley's. Yeah. Have really? lots of cool, obscure toys and stuff. So they couldn't even name it after the book. No, of course they named it after the book. The toy store was also named after the book. Uh, the toy store used to buy stickers from me. Really? Yeah, yeah. Cool. Us little minuscule novelty fart joke shops have to stick together, you know. <laughs> That's funny, dude. When I was a kid, like that uh, store was awesome. It went out. It went out of business, probably not. Well, actually, it might still be open now that I think about it. Let me look it up. I feel like they were still open when a year or two before Merchbot closed, because they didn't buy stickers from from Seattle. They bought stickers from Merchbot. Oh wow. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Yeah, I think they're still open. Actually, opens at ten o'clock a.m. on Monday. It had cool stuff. Yeah. Except for the stickers. Hated the stickers. Yeah, they were the worst part. <laughs> this Midnight Mass show is pretty good. Midnight Mass? Yeah. Is it like uh... the Squid Games? No, but I keep hearing about Squid Games. We'll probably do that next. But it's the new show from the same people that did Haunting on Hill House, Haunting of Hill House, and then the mm. Haunting of Bly Manor. Mm. Uh, I don't. It actually seems like maybe this one was written by the people, whereas I think the other two, I know the first one was an adaptation of a thing. I don't know about Bly Manor. Anyway. Is it like a stuff. horror thing? Oh, yeah. It's like a spooky. It's like a. <laughs> exactly. Boo. Oh, oh. Boo Radley's. Oh, gosh. Boo Radley's. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't watch anymore. Boo Radley's. There's too many jump scares in a row. I double jumped like I'm Mario. <laughs> Topical. What are you? What are you drinking? Truly. <clears throat> Truly. You're not out of that shit yet? Holy um, moly. I went to the guy's house today to watch football and. There was truly there, and then we ran out of truly, so I bought more truly for everyone. Jake and Sean don't really drink, but they'll drink. It's um, flavored hard seltzer, and it's not bad, and it's not nearly as fat, fat juicy. But I'm gonna go get some fat juice. 
get some I'm fat juice. Some fantastic Wyoming fat juice. So. Oh, also, Ooh, I couldn't whiskey. have whiskey if I wanted right now because of this acid reflux. Dude, uh, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I I couldn't sleep a couple nights ago because I had such bad heartburn. Let's talk about it when you get your drink and come back. Let's touch base on. Let's touch base about that. Okay. Okay. I'll be right back. Okay. Good luck. <laughs> I was toying with the idea with a friend about making a a, to- a, a treat called a clusterfuck that was going to be like pretzel and nougat and caramel and salt and chocolate and just everything and marshmallow mm-hmm. and um and a cream that. center. Yeah, I would do it. I would eat the fuck out of that. I wish that there was more nougat in the world. I'm a nougat fan. Roman, where do you fall in the nougat discussion? I kind of hate nougat, so. Oh. <laughs> So Sorry. he will he'll eat the chocolate from around your nougat bar. I'll yeah, I'll eat the chocolate and the peanuts and the you rest of it. You could put the whole thing in your mouth and suck it all off and then give out a wet nougat for me. And I yeah, like, and then I could I could just dribble the rest in your mouth like a baby bird. I love this idea. I love this idea. Just yeah. to hear about your acid reflux. That's you know, I I, I go to bed wild. with Tums next to my bed every night. Um so that I can wake up and take Tums. It's all. Is it the nougat? Oh your no! Dick smells like nougat and fish. Your dick <laughs> smells like nougat and fish. <laughs> Lost oh, Superman my, this week. Am I right? My favorite game is making it so you have to edit this before you send it to Andrew. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I don't do that anymore. That's on you. You're just the one that's gonna make us get canceled. <laughs> um. Mm. There was a lot of Superman. Have you have you told Jeff your role? The being the last of the last bros. Yeah. 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 I like the, it. The last of them. <laughs> Still rules the hot one though. Mm-hmm. So damn hot. Did you guys know Calendar Man is the villain in two DC books this week? This last week. Hell yeah. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's a different guy. That's Kite Man. <laughs> yeah, Calendar Man's that cool bald guy with the tattoos all yeah. around his head. And his catchphrase <laughs> is uh Carpe Diem. Is it actually? No, it's meet me in the morning. No, I, I just said Carpe Diem because seize the day. He's obsessed with mm. days. <laughs> Every day has a morning. Oh, Jeff, I've never been so aroused by you. To every life. season, turn, turn. <laughs> oh, my God. It's good to see you three. God damn it. God hey, damn it. Guys... It's good to see the three of you. Welcome. <laughs> to a perfectly acceptable podcast episode 242 where everyone listening and everyone on the podcast will be lulled into a state of bliss by the dulcet tones of one Colette Penketh today who is recovering from her her booster shot her second her third COVID anecdote anecdote um it's a comics podcast this is why no one's listening anymore uh because i start saying things like that if anyone started listening to the podcast they'd be like what is this i'm done no it's a comic show it's a comic show and it's filled with great comic content and conversations by people who run a comic store which is you know the most reliable people talking about anything and this is the 242nd episode i'm colette and these are my dulcet tones (laughs) i'm married isis It'll fetch a good price. <laughs> oh, I'm Django. <laughs> that wasn't necessary. <laughs> Another ISIS joke. I'm Jeff. Yeah, and I'm Colette. <laughs> oh, was, wait a minute. I thought I was Colette. Oh, uh, who I'm, let that dog in here? I'm Sandra. <laughs> Sandra Cobain, Kurt Cobain's much less known sister, who is a Whoa. phenomenal harpsichord player. Um, 
Really? Someone's got to get this thing back on track. <laughs> it's William all our Elmer. It's William Elmer. Happy, beautiful people and happy episode. Nope. Cut it. Bring it back. <laughs> Bring it through again. Hello, beautiful people and happy episode 242. Avengers 242 sees She-Hulk, Hawkeye, Captain America, Wasp, Thor, and Captain Marvel all transported to the Beyonders battle world and next appear in Marvel's Superheroes Secret Wars number one. While the original Secret Wars event was notoriously created specifically to help sell Mattel superhero toys, heck, the title came from a focus group of kids responding most favorably to the words secret and wars. The series <laughs> still produced several significant developments in the Marvel universe. Most notably, Spider-Man finds and wears the black costume for the first time, which would eventually lead to Venom, which leads me to my question of the week. What is your favorite status quo change to come out of a crossover event? Keep on keeping on. Will, P.S. I laughed more times listening to you guys talk about Mullet Cop than I did while reading Mullet Cop. <laughs> if I was to get a bobblehead of any comic writer, I would get one of James Tinian so I could yell obscenities at it on a regular <laughs> basis. If, you're, if you just listen to that email and you think it was delightful, it was delightful. It's because Will Elliamer is delightful and he does a podcast with us called the Ted Last Bros. It is on this feed and as soon as I sit down and ask Django genuinely and kindly to do me a favor... Um, that is not related to our work in the form of showing me how to create a separate podcast feed for that podcast that will have a separate podcast feed but he's a busy man right now and i haven't done it yet you will, think these fingers run on favors they run on bologna kind of and mustard um, <laughs> don't forget the fritters and fritter fritter fingers um good question will favorite status quo change to come out of a crossover a couple jumped to mind for me in the modern 25 years curious uh does anybody have anything jump into mind for them first thing that pops in my head is miles moving to 616 universe. oh that's, great one that's what i was gonna say sure nice. it is it really is i guess i'll go with also Spider-Man from 2099 moving to 616 <laughs> yep that's a good one um uh vertigo being folded into dc at the end of brightest day oh really that happened because of that yeah, remember that? Because the final page of Brightest Day was like Constantine standing in a room in a DC book, and he says something, and I just didn't know who Constantine was at the time, or I didn't realize that was him. Huh. Um, Maybe this guy will sell if we could put superheroes in his books. Yeah, turns out no, Hellblazer <clears throat> probably sold better. Um, yeah, uh, you know, Peter Parker's identity coming out in Civil War. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was just going to say... Yeah, the folding of the entire Ultimate Universe, but I guess that wasn't, there really was just Ultimate Spider-Man, but the end of Secret Wars, that whole thing. Yeah, I mean, the ushering Old Man in Logan of the whole ended new... up in yeah. 616 and a few others. Yeah, I really liked, um, I mean, just because I really love Gene Foster, Thor, uh, Thor losing his worthiness in, mm. uh, in the OS. original Sin. Yeah. yeah. Oh, original Sin, yeah. Roman, what about you? What about those first crossover events? I mean, you got like... <laughs> I was going to say, the, well, the most recently is <laughs> Infinite Frontier, because it's bringing back the JSA. That's good. Including dead, dead JSA people like the Second Hour Band. And, um, but I'm going to go way back. Way back to, I don't know, 87 or something like that. It was the first crossover after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Legends. Oh, because, pointing at us. Yeah. <laughs> because, pointing at us like all of, only one of us wasn't alive. <laughs> but it was so important because it entered inter- that. It introduced the, well, it led, I don't know if it introduced, it led to the Giffen Dematius Justice League, mm-hmm. to it being humorous, um, but it also introduced Amanda Waller and the Suicide Squad. Okay. Because Ostrander huh. was one of, one of the writers on Legend, <clears throat> Legends. I think I would be 
yeah, you know, sort of remiss if I weren't thinking about the the crises. So like the the original Infinite Crisis, which undid the multiverse, and then Fifty Two, which kind of brought the multiverse back, and then Final Crisis, which kind of reignited the idea of Earth Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, all of that, all of those had great things. That's a good question. Will wasn't it Sue Dinby that got killed in uh, Identity Crisis? Yeah, is that right? Dibney. Yeah, yeah, I. I was impressed with how long they let her stay dead. I can't wait to start this whole episode off talking <clears throat> about Amazing Spider-Man 74. No, that's a bad call. That's spoiler a bad call. Alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Let's talk about Inferno first, I think. Listen, we're going to spoil our podcast with, with <clears throat> on the podcast. And we're going to spoil some <laughs> comics on the podcast. Uh, this week, we're going to be talking about a slew of things. We're going to be talking about Inferno, number one. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Superman saying goodbye and Superman, Son of Kal-El and Action Comics, number three and 1035, respectively. We're going to talk about Batman Reptilian, number four, Amazing Spider-Man 74 or 875 and the legacy numbering if you want to have your cake and eat it too. Human Remains, Sandman, Lock and Key, Mini Word, Title One Shot, number two. Uh, and then Batman Bigsby, number one. And who knows what else will pop up in there. Um, let's talk about Inferno, everybody. Is that okay? Can we do that? Is that all right? Can we can we get into that? Is that a thing that we can do? Can we get into the guts this is, of this? Can we get I, up I in the guts no, of this? I don't know. That, that really burns me up. Oh, this is the John Claude Van Damme movie, right? All right. Yay! Um, um, all right. All right. All right. All right. I promise no hurt feelings on my part. What did you guys think of this comic book? I thought it was pretty good. I thought it did a pretty good job of leading you through what you need to know in order for any of it to make any goddamn sense. It was also super long, and I'm really glad that I had you to talk to before I actually read it, Jeff. It is pretty long. We had some long comics this week. Yeah, I liked it. You liked it? I also liked it. Spoilers. Yeah, I really liked it. I didn't get as excited reading it, until the very end, as I did say with the first House of X or Power House was first. Yeah. Um, but it uh, I don't know. It's hard to feel like with all this set up, any one series starting off can be what you want it to be to wrap up all the cool stuff or be. Yeah, it, I was apprehensive and I really liked it. Romeo McDaniel Stillionaire. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I, I enjoyed it. I liked it well enough. I mean, I have some. I have some problems with Magneto's characterization and, and some other things, but like, I still don't know why is Moira anti-mutant Moira on her third life decides to try to create a cure for mutantdom. She's not necessarily anti-mutant, but she, um, I can't remember if it's based on something that happens in those first two lives, but she feels like she wants to just cure the thing. I don't think that she's anti-mutant, but she is forced into a stance where she can't believe that because of destiny. She like can't be anti-mutant because of destiny. And at that era, like anything that wasn't pro-mutant, destiny, mystique, everybody was, you're evil, you're anti-mutant. So like wanting to create a cure that would be an option, the brotherhood and all those, it would be, everything was more extreme. And And destiny does say like, do you think this just stops with a cure? Like, I think mm-hmm. that Moira wants to create a cure, but she's saying that, like, the government's going to take this. They're going to eradicate our entire people. Like, if you create a cure, they're going to undo our entire race. You can't right. make a cure. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I don't understand why Moira was thinking that way. Cause, of course, that's, that's been the whole one of the whole points behind the X Men all along, you know? <laughs> well, it's, you know, third life, you're trying different things. I think exactly. wasn't some of it too that she, 
yeah, the second the only... life was really traumatic because she'd already like had this nice life and died and yeah having to go through her second life and doing it again she was not wanting that again i think that that decision was a result of her second life but yeah that's been a problem with for me that it's been so long since house of house of x and powers of x i don't remember i remember it was a good story but i don't remember moira's motivations and because you know you only cure diseases (laughs) so the fact that they're using those wording and the way she's approaching things like wow she really hates mutants yeah i think it's the best comic book i've read in since house of powers it's certainly the most excited about a comic (laughs) i've been in years um it's not that off. I think that I told this to Django. Um, I think that like, you know, I'm of many different minds about many different things. But when I try and sort of talk about comics or look at comics on this podcast or even in the store, I, I do like to look at like craft and technique and execution and um, like the package, like Steve Lieber style. And I, you know, like from that standpoint, something like Rorschach ranks really, really highly like the execution, I think, and, and of, of the skill at play in the comic, Strange Adventures, Mr. Miracle, any other Tom King book. Um, but I think there's also then comics that like from an entertainment or fan perspective or just things that get me like holy shit excited um, is a different type of thing. There's <clears throat> like two almost different types of tens that exist. And while I was reading this one, I just like felt like an electrical excitement in my head it just the the number of ideas that this thing made me have um just like oh my god i want a comic book series of the people left behind in the world after moira dies like we've got these like 10 lives now of the Mm -hmm. afterwards and there's a universe created there is moira the linchpin holding a universe together or when she dies do they collect i I, I I want those what was established was that when she dies the universe ceases to be and, and starts over again. And, and I like, don't know if that has been established, but I okay. love the thought of it, you know? And just the idea of her being a cornerstone existing force is fascinating. Um, you know, uh, all of the different lives she's living, the betrayal, the Moira uh, destiny relationship, I think is maybe one of the most fascinating and well-built mechanical structures I've seen in a book. The idea that somebody's lives repeat but there's somebody who sees the future and she'll, the person who sees the future will only ever see the person. If the person whose lives repeat, start walking down a path whose ultimately actions will affect that person and therefore trigger her into knowing what's going on and remembering the thing. Like that is, I, I love that there is now this like twin soul dynamic between those two, that they will never be able to exist separately again. The idea that like destiny needs to scare Moira enough with one death that she'll never have to kill her again in future lives. Um, <laughs> and make her like eradicate any sense of doubt she'll ever have, which will slowly inevitably creep back in. Um, but also and- scars her so much that she's potentially unwilling to see options outside of allowing yeah. destiny to come back. It's Ooh. the only, yeah. Cause when you, one of her two things that she absolutely stands by and, and we don't know that that's the right choice, but she's so scarred by, a thousand years ago now what seven lifetimes ago this event that happened i love that idea i haven't slept in a thousand years mm-hmm. um and then i've actually i think that the charles and uh magneto voices are really 
in line with how they were written in House and Powers, which was like really mm-hmm. morally ambiguous. Like I thought it was actually the most cohesive return to the characters that kind of established the run for me. So on a one to 10, I give it a 12. It like I it excited the fuck out of me. I can't. It also disappointed me because it like mentioned things like Brew becoming a brood emperor and like <clears throat> episode three or four because that egg like he swallows that egg thing. And I was like, oh, right. We started that in like issue three or four and that's never really followed up that much. And now we're ending the Hickman stuff. And there was just several other instances in this issue of like, like, oh yeah, I remember those seeds that were planted and now we might never get to see them flourish. But I loved like the bringing back of um, that the horticulture group mm-hmm. um, and the fact that like they were the ones who sold this information about the gates to Orcus and then like the no place seed and like the way that I was interacting with everything. I, I just... The structure of this is so impressive to me. I, I like wasn't... seeing a. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I like seeing a return to more of the. There's a lot of the politics in this, but the intrigue around the politics and not. It felt like for quite a while there, especially in some of the other um, titles, that the uh, um, the Quiet Council and some of that stuff got very um, procedural mm-hmm. politics as opposed to intrigue and inner workings and the the backhanded and calculating quality of it. And I really like that we're getting more back to that kind of side of it. Yeah. I, I'm not super bothered by the, the skipping. I think it would have been nice if we, we could have seen all that stuff happen. Um, But I'm, this feels like he's going to try to finish the Moira story. Mm -hmm. And I think that seeing that tied up, is way more important to me than seeing what happens to brew or any any of the details for the threads that he started i think those would be cool but they seem like flavor for this thing and i want the protein Mm -hmm. well and it always kind of felt to me like those seeds that he started a lot of those he was kind of like here's an idea i have for someone else to run with and then Mm -hmm. no one's really run with a lot of them Mm -hmm. like brew showed up in new mutants there was like a little flash of the it's bits in there but it it was always kind of like hey with the his x-men series like hey here's a cool idea someone run with it here this is a cool thing that someone else could do something with but no one really ever did much with them and i'd love to see more people actually taking direction with that stuff and i think one thing that i think that in this issue they do kind of present orcus as this thing that has been this large threat and has been growing in power and I think that it, that is how Orcus needed to be for this final act of this story. But because of the middle act of the last two years, it, that actually hasn't really been that present. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you like got the data page of all the different Orcus locations and all these events that have happened. I'm like, oh, I guess I kind of remember some of these. And like, maybe some of these were kind of glossed over. And I, I may, I don't know if that's a criticism. That's just one instance to me of like, I do think the magnitude of that organization could have been felt a little bit differently uh, or more mm-hmm. powerfully if the execution of the last two years was different. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to have had to read 10 different examples of X-Force trying yeah. to infiltrate and failing there's a lot of but, X-Force. but a little bit more of of them scattered throughout more than just a couple blips in in sword would have been nice 12 8 uh, seven and a half nine. i give it a, i give it an eight nine eight twelve seven and a half i like it that's a good spread that's a good spread <laughs> i'm in that deeply subjective category with it but it is i read it two times it's not often that on a recording of our podcast, I will fully write an issue two times, especially one that's that big. So yeah, I'm definitely going to read it again when I'm not half asleep. 
because I'm sick. Mm. It was a girthy boy. It was a girthy young boy. I mean, I never shy away from one of those, but... She loves a girthy young boy. <laughs> I'll take out the young. She loves a young girthy boy. <laughs> Superman, Son of Kal-El, and Action Comics 1035, both dealing with the goodbye of Superman. Girthy boy. Of that girthy, girthy man. There's nothing boyish about that man's girth. It was a fine girth. Um, how did you feel about the girthman going away? The super girth headed out. Headed out. No, Roman's still here. Just kidding. Girthy boy hanging out. Oh girthy. shucks. Um, the Tom. Let's start with the Tom Taylor issue. What did you guys think about that? I thought it was pretty good. I thought that also, um, like if they're sending Superman away forever, that just means we have a crisis coming up, right? So they can bring him back. I don't under. That's what the thing I don't understand about, understand about Superman leaving. Are they talking about okay, he's going to go to War World and get stuck there? But we already know he comes back from there. Do so we know why he comes it? back from there? I, I guess last we, ride. I, I thought we did. Yeah. The, the main last, last ride. I, 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 just, I, I just don't understand why this is such a big deal. Because if it's talking about War World, we know he's going to get rescued and come back. I think the reason that it's a big deal is that John has been to the future, and he says in this and in Action Comics that superman's timeline he goes missing after that like his timeline ends as far as the future knew and that feels like a great like MacGuffin of like well it's because yeah. this or there was a crisis <laughs> or that's what happened but yeah in both of these issues john says like well you know you when you go off we you know your timeline ends or you go missing um or maybe for, those records were just destroyed in the future yeah exactly any number of those yeah. things but that's the reason there <laughs> that john has it's kind of made this goodbye thing my name's john kent i've never dealt with time travel before <laughs> oh like yeah. if he's gonna leave and never come back he's like if you're worried that he's never gonna come back why are you not wanting him to leave because if you believe that it's inevitable that he won't come back then it's also inevitable that he's gonna leave yeah but you can prolong your parent going away or you can like yeah decide that that's a timeline that he and when he leaves this is the outcome but maybe i can change this timeline and prevent him from leaving and sure. therefore change the subsequent timeline as a kid whose parent went away I ain't never coming back. Your mind starts to imagine it not being that way or imagine what if I could have had a little bit more time or what yep, if yeah. you could do this? It's yeah, Django, you prick. Listen, I'm just a cold hearted <laughs> son of a bitch. Yeah, I really did like John and Kal-El's talk on top of the house. Mm -hmm. That that was good. Mm -hmm. And I liked and I like John's uh, protest, the scene with the protesters and the jail time. The rest of the issue, I was like, meh. And I, I like and sorry, I still don't dear. like the art. I liked John's friend Jay and like Superman being like, Hey, do you want to come to dinner? And like, he's like, can I come to dinner? He's like, your mom is Lois Lane. That's way cooler <laughs> than your dad being Superman. And yeah. just like I the know, dynamic of his son is cute or his friend. Is that cute. was, that was great. I also had this moment of like, Oh, if Superman knows he's leaving, if Clark knows he's leaving, why is he bringing this friend along? And then I was like, Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to actually get away, getting a buffer person in there to make it, less awkward is actually a really smart way to say goodbye yeah uh roman did you I, read the action comics half of this no i didn't i haven't read that since the new writer took over i did i did too i thought it was terrible <laughs> um i am of multiple minds about it i thought that half of it was not very good and then half of it i did like it was sort of the like i loved the interpersonal stuff but we do drop down in the middle of this action sequence and this stuff that's going on and i, I neither cared nor became interested in what was going on but i did like the way that the justice league kind of said goodbye to superman and the little other 
goodbye he got with Lois and like they had super sex you can tell <laughs> um but uh jangle in response or roman maybe in response to your question or did he leave different ways in both issues he actually yeah. didn't technically leave in either issue so um there's that getting oh. set up so the justice league knows he's leaving so why doesn't he get the help of the green lantern corps for whatever he's going to go rescue or whatever don't they say that like they they address it it's because oh um something about too tied to politics or something or um there's something about them needing to distance themselves from him they tell him they, they say that he's gone uh on gamora he's gone sir long range satellite has lost visual um, so i guess that's just like oh, a okay. joke. we don't we don't see him leave atlantis the u.s the and the eu all had stakes in the genesis fragment they're <clears> all pretty <throat> mad at you so the league's not coming with me to war world i take it we do want to go we just can't yet we can't afford to leave earth with things as messy as they are if you could wait i'm not waiting one more day oh so it is for sure like i thought he's going to war world yeah he is going to war world yeah okay but i do like the whole like superman the authority he's going with the authority and that book's been leading up to this and then the final page reveal was like the authority is his team oh wow Except, i would yeah sorry roman oh i just but i thought grant morrison's superman and the authority i thought that's an older superman in the future i thought it was a totally yeah it is it's yeah, an older superman yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a out of continuity story yeah they told us at the comics pro thing that that was going to be important and related to the superman stuff and yeah wow. the end of this does show him with his team of the authority is he old and depowered but he's not old yeah so oh, wow i wonder if he gets knocked out of our timeline into whatever timeline grant morrison superman and the authority is happening in i'm an issue behind on there. superman and the authority so i actually don't know we're three of four issues into that and i don't know what the main conceit of that team is so just that it's in the future and Superman's older and okay. maybe he disappears from John's timeline. He's aware of because his dad gets knocked in another timeline and, and gets older in that timeline. So we're cracking codes over here. We're, we're making connections. What did you think of the two issues for those who read it and the ones that read the one Superman, son of Kal-El seven and a half. Eight. I gave it a seven. I'll go eight as well. I do agree with Roman. I don't love the art, although the night scenes, I did like the coloring on it a lot, like the moonlit lit red and blue capes, but I did like the character parts a lot. <clears throat> Action comics, I'll give a seven. Four. I really didn't like it. <laughs> That's the lowest score I've maybe ever given. Your, your four has brought me down to a 6.5, which is that it's a good comic. It's a good comic. Don't let my farts make your lunch taste bad. But... We eat lunch together once a week, every week for a year and a half. Your farts make everything in my life taste bad. <laughs> um, before we get into our next book, what do you think about stopping for a second to see our friend Andrew Carlson who says, this can be slotted in whenever. It doesn't have to be the end. Maybe I'll edit it to be wherever in the middle regardless. So a little bit power. of a, what a power play. All right. That's the, that, that's the kind of threat I needed to say, all right, don't leave this for the end, Jeff, you hack. Hey, guys. Quick one today. I'm in partially Dino gave me this idea. I'll just be clear. Dino. So this is a question from Dino, but he didn't ask me to ask you. I'm just throwing it in there because he asked me. Um, what's a series that you guys are kind of most looking forward to coming out like next year? Uh, Seems like there's a lot of shakeups coming with series restarts and Marvel might be doing a soft reboot. So I'm just kind of curious. Uh, what's a series that's coming up that you guys are really excited for? As always, have a great one. Um, in the DC like previews initial order that I did last month, I stopped and was like, there's a lot of things coming out from DC in a couple months that I'm quite excited about. Some of them are escaping me right now, but I do know there's some good, like I'm excited for that 
um tom taylor the steel age like steampunk dc medieval thing that's mm. going to be coming out i'm excited um, for the other tom's human target yep yeah, and that one's soon that one's three or four weeks now. away yeah, yeah. Um, i'm gonna admit that i have no not been paying attention to what is being announced and what's coming up beyond the next couple weeks what so. about inferno number two colette are you excited for that series i am excited it's, for that. it's like I'm super seven issues long target <laughs> <laughs> oh um, is, is inferno inferno actually a miniseries it's not just a like one shot like it's it's, it's oh. a five issue miniseries that ends it's him okay closing well. up the ties and following up on house and powers maybe maybe they'll address the thing i don't like about big needles characterization i hope the way the way he's pronounced what what is it <laughs> do you feel like his characterization has changed a lot i have a problem with him like especially in this issue where he's seemingly okay and part of the plan this plan of moira's to as moira says wipe destiny from the face of the earth and i'm like magneto magneto or magneto magento he yeah. wouldn't he wouldn't be behind this that kind of those words in particularly for a guy that survived Auschwitz and wiping out a mutant who's also of jewish heritage he's he should have some problems with this and he doesn't unless that's a future issue yeah i i think that it's it's the main thing that moira has basically pressured and strong-armed charles and magneto into has been that she knows if destiny lives everything falls apart so like the ability for the island to succeed at all is contingent on moira not being her destiny not knowing and she knows that she'll like her entire self-preservation so i i I think it's a little bit like deluding or misleading magneto and charles but magneto's always been willing to take out people or anyone yeah of course in his way and i his vestment in this krakoan idea takes it beyond just people and like okay a mutant to keep this working fine is more how i see it sure yeah and that's all true but and especially the fact that this is coming out concurrently with trial of magneto where he's freaking out in a total rage over them not resurrecting his daughter but in the other book he's like fine with okay don't resurrect this mutant i i just it doesn't strike i mean magneto should be mad about destiny and have questions about that and the morality of it and everything and considering his background and i don't i'm like okay where is this but there's other things in the whole x thing that i'm like well where is the reactions to this going on and that kind of stuff and i like i that hope read. it comes up yeah i i like that read i've felt like the leah williams love the work um trial of magneto stuff has been more of a departure from the voice that's been created from the last several years but um but I, I i also like that read and i like standing by wanting to see that represented in the comic um yeah uh anything else anyone else excited about it is weird how i think working in a shop you just sort of like focus on the next like two weeks of things in front of you mm-hmm. so it's easy to not focus on yeah. uh solicitations for several months in advance but i do obviously doing the initial orders have to focus on stuff that's about three months out um and yeah there's some exciting tom taylor stuff coming down for sure i haven't even looked at the previews in a year i don't know what's coming up yeah <laughs> you want to borrow the issues no the <laughs> no nah, nah, that'd be too much weight um and i i think some of the Substack stuff is exciting but that has nothing to but that's not i mean that's not that's not something we can sell or I don't. I don't understand Substack. I don't. Substack making <laughs> emails fun to read again. 
um, they, they will they will eventually come out in physical form. But as oh. people who are not just trying to sell comics from a comic shop for this podcast, but actually being people who are yeah. talking about a medium and industry that exists and comics that come out in any various form of it, I think it would be inappropriate to not bring up certain things mm-hmm. that we don't have access to. Um, and there's some pretty good creators doing some pretty interesting stuff on there. I'm really excited for the rest of Saga. Yeah. I'm excited for however... Now that the JSA is back, however, they turn up next. God, Andrew, you put us in a really weird spot. <laughs> Andrew, do you feel the energy in this room right now? It fucking sucks. I hate the Justice Society of America. Oh, my uh, God. I like the Justice Society <laughs> how could, how, of America. How could you hate Jay Garrick? I mean, come on. I have no opinion. Django, or sorry, Roman, take us to Bat- Batman Reptilian number four by Liam Sharp and Garth Innes. Nope, we're just going to talk about the JSA from now on. I'm for this episode. JSA. <laughs> oh, look at the time. I got to go to bed. No wonder people stop listening to this fucking podcast. It's, it's awesome aren't you guys watching curmudgeonly old people not being open to new ideas <laughs> hey i the like justice the, society is not a new idea i like hey, the right. new just i like the new justice society on star girl <laughs> roman did you did you choose this book are we talking about this because of Batman all, Reptilian? The, all the squishy shit that happens in this it? is this is my favorite stuff? issue of this this is number four this is my favorite issue of this series so far it's because super weird because it's yeah it's super weird and batman figures out that god killer crocs down in the sewer and he's got like a remains of an egg sack on him because it turns out he's given birth but he didn't even know he was he could do that or that he was with child basically which is the reptilian monster going around killing everyone and those panels where uh batman cuts the um, the egg sack's umbilical cord yeah, it's so gross. Yeah. Oh, it is. I, I wish the comic calls comes with sound effects. <laughs> but it was so awesome the way Batman's describing this in so calm Batman way while Killer Croc's freaking out, going, Oh my God, what <laughs> this came off of me and it thinks it's Simon's mother and it's gonna come back for me. Oh god. <laughs> and then when it shows up, it's it's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know how you always want dinosaurs to look cool, but they might have looked really grosser and scarier than they actually look like <laughs> in movies and stuff. This is like super gross, almost like a killer croc mated with Batman and then had a giant leathery lizardy bat baby. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, for some reason, it's got like a man bat nose. And <laughs> yeah. Oh. I would, I would, the, the, the way I read this by the end was Batman is actually just John Constantine dressed up in a bat suit. Like he's, <laughs> he's being a jerk to killer croc, like Constantine would in this situation. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah, I did too. I mean, and not and no sympathy at all for, I mean, he asked Batman asked him, no, I mean, are you lactating? <laughs> it's possible. You might actually be female. And croc's like, what? <laughs> croc's having an identity crisis. Plus he's so weak. Cause he hasn't eaten in days and he's about, you know, <laughs> apparently all skinny and skin and bones. So you can't tell from the art, but, yeah, it's creepy. What do you give it? Oh my gosh. Um, I'm looking at my list. Where is this? I know I gave it a good score. Uh, I gave it a 9.5 or a 10 in parentheses. I couldn't decide. Ooh. Nice. I, th- I think I'm going to go. Comment brought it up yeah, I think I'm, yeah, I think that's that's what did it. Yeah. I I'm think I'll give it a, a 10. An eight and a half. Eight and a half. No, no gooey duck for me there. All the gooey was left in the sewers in this one. I love the main cover too, with the the eyes of the baby. How the eyes are all reptilian and and glossy. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Little Mark Ryden baby. I don't know who that is. 
disgusting. Disgusting. <laughs> did anybody read Amazing Spider-Man number 875? I did. Yes. Now, Django, for, for 45 you, minutes or, or two can, hours. Can you do me a solid? <laughs> yeah. Can you tell me what issue page number one is from? Can If I start talking, can you find that? <laughs> I sure can't try. Thanks, buddy. Um, <laughs> so I think I have an unpopular opinion. And it's that I liked this issue a lot, but I think that it delved into some pretty subjective reasons for that. Um, this saw is the last issue of Nick Spencer's run. It had a slew of artists on board. It brings the Kindred story to a finale. But what I loved a lot about it is that it tied up and tied into issues of Spider-Man comics I had as a kid and issues that I've even like during the beginning of the pandemic, I was made it halfway through uh, Michael J. Michael Straczynski's Spider-Man run, which like brings up the idea of I've always hated the idea that he he wrote in that Gwen Stacy had a like a love affair with Norman Osborn. Then they had kids and that felt like a total betrayal of that character to me. And it always cast a shadow on the relationship between Gwen and Peter for me with that retcon did. And this undid that retcon yeah. in a really interesting way. And it, it felt like an incredibly well, like un, it almost felt like Nick Spencer's run on Spider-Man was a 75 issue attempt to clean up continuity, which probably could have been 50 issues shorter, but I really liked the changes that they made and the things they decided to do. It brought Peter and Mary Jane back together it cleaned up stuff with the Osborne family specifically. It undid like those Norman Gwyn kids existed, but only because Norman had made a deal with the devil and mm -hmm. there's all this Mephisto, uh, Harry Norman stuff. And Harry has been kind of doomed to have this horrible life because of a deal with Mephisto that Norman had made a long time ago. Um, I just, it was enormous and maybe a bit bigger than it needed to be, but it, it felt like to me, um, the best part of reading like Spider-Man comics when I was a kid, there's like clones. It felt bigger than my immediate understanding of it. It made me think about things that had happened before it and referenced things. Um, yeah. It, it changed the status quo of things. Like it was just kind of everything that I think comics can do well when they're not trying to be good. Um, I think like, you know, Inferno was an issue I loved this week and it was trying to be good. And this, I think, did a lot of the same things and like type of things that Inferno did, but like didn't necessarily worry about coming across as a superhero comic, which is what this felt like. Like punch, punch, punch. Oh, shit. That's a clone. Oh, no. And now it's turning into dust. And oh, you were a clone all along. And now oh, there's a deal with the devil. And dang, those Osborne's hairs are weird. What is why have they always looked like that? <laughs> what is the haircut of an Osborne? Um, yeah. yeah. So the first page is from Spectacular Spider-Man number 200. Let me look that up. And that's when uh, Harry Osborn dies. It's like the the silver background giant size 200th issue. Oh, yeah. And I had that issue as a kid and loved it. And that's I knew the interior art, but I thought actually it was from a different issue. Thanks, Django. Um, I got a little bit tired of Spider-Man losing a fight and then almost winning and then losing a fight and almost winning and losing a fight and almost winning the like and the whole time they're having a conversation about the like wrapping up all these loose ends mm -hmm. i thought it was a little bit repetitive um but i liked i liked what they did and i've probably only read 30 issues out of this 74 issues and i, I thought this was a, a pretty good wrap up and i really liked uh the uncle ben story at the end um, yeah about about uncle ben saving 
saving the guy or trying to help the guy who drank too much. I, I want to echo also, I've only read about 30 issues of this run as well, and I haven't read the last 30 for sure. So yeah. what I liked is you could dip in and it felt like it was a cleanup issue for a bunch of stuff. So mm-hmm. Roman, what do you think Spider-Man, man? Muddling with little people for so long. Because he's the devil and that's what he does. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I actually have read all of Nick Spencer's run, even though I haven't been a big fan of it. <laughs> um classic but, roman but i love spider-man <laughs> yeah i thought uh i was i, I like the way this issue wrapped up i love that uh spencer got rid of the whole gwen stacy norman osborne yeah relationship which i think somebody even before this tried to retcon that retcon and by saying that well it wasn't a love affair he blackmailed her and basically raped her to have these kids, which mm-hmm. that just made it even worse. Yeah, way better, guys. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that they Spencer cleaned that up. That's like his best contribution to the Spider-Man mythos, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but yeah, like the action stuff, I, I did feel was really repetitive, yeah. and it has been for many issues. This whole Kindred storyline, the action parts, I pretty much just kind of flipped through really quickly. So I'm like, oh yeah, Spider-Man, it's the worst thing ever. Blah blah blah. He's he's almost lost all hope oh no he's back okay um and i like the uncle ben story i'm looking forward to the next batch of creators and to be working on spider-man yeah i did love the kind of big conceit of this is like mephisto has been fucking with spider-man for a long time and using the osborns and different people to try and and do that and dr strange is like why and he's just like uh you know i've had a vision i see my throne my dominion my reign and then i see the one who ends it and it shows a mm. shot of spider-man zipping around um, but then after the conversation, it sh- takes us back to that exact same shot, but it's redrawn and it's not Spider-Man, but it's Spider-Girl, which is Mary Jane and Spider-Man's daughter. And so he's actually trying to tear their relationship apart because he knows that he's brought down by Spider-Girl. I thought that was a pretty cool revelation. Yeah, that, that was cool. Was that May Parker from the MCU2 universe back in the day? May, I May Day Parker? I think it's, yeah, May Parker. I don't yeah. I don't know where she originally showed up or whatever, but I have the, actually, I have her. Yeah, it's the, I think it was the Marvel Universe 2, like one of the first alternate timeline series they tried to introduce before Ultimate. Can can we talk for just real quick when they reveal the skeletal remains of the real Harry Osborn? He's got no skin, but he does have hair. Yeah, yeah, you got to have that Osborn hair. (laughs) It's so weird. His skull has hair. What do you give it? I'm going to go 9.5, but like, I, I just like it, it did a lot of like kind of nostalgic stuff for me that I loved. I'm going to go 7.5 because, because that's what I want to give it. I'm going to go seven. I'm going to go to Batman and Bigsby because I need to hear Colette's voice. Big, 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 Nickel Batman, big, a B. Batman versus Big B. Good one. A, a wolf and Gotham. Mm-hmm. A wolf and Gotham. A wolf. A wolfy. A wolf bed. <laughs> big B is boys. <laughs> naked i uh oh go ahead roman oh no i'm sorry I'm, go ahead, Colette. <laughs> i i don't have a lot good to say that's why i was deferring oh. hoping roman wanted to say i just i was very trepidatious going into this issue because i love big b um mm-hmm. i and i loved I loved early fables enough that I enjoyed the rest of it, even though it definitely ebbed and flowed. Um, and it was one of the, the ending was so rough. 
Um, I was just, when I heard that they were bringing it back and doing this, I was like, no, just leave it alone. (laughs) (laughs) Just let it be what it was. And this was, this was not bad. And it took me a minute to like, stop reading it as a Batman comic and reading it as a pulpy um, detective story that happened to be Batman and Bigby in a, I'm assuming a different universe. It's black label, so I'm guessing it's it's a Gotham that exists in the multiverse of the fables connected worlds. It's just what mm-hmm. I'm going to tell myself because mm-hmm. um, I really hate when everything has to become a part of a main universe. That oh, it's the fable verse. Yeah, it's the fable verse. <laughs> um, no, in 20 years, Grant Morrison's going to do another three year run on Batman where he incorporates this because it actually happened too in Bruce Wayne's <laughs> timeline. <laughs> um, yeah, you know. It could have been a lot worse. Roman, talk about it. Say something better so that then I feel better about reading it. Sure, sure. Um, I really liked it. Um, from the first panel with the title being all in made of books. And, but yeah, it took me a minute to, it took me a, like halfway through the book to remember that, oh yeah, it's a black label book. Because at first I was like, which Robin is this? It's Tim's costume, but he's too tall to be Damien, but he's not calling him Dick. But, I, but then I like the, like the shadow he's, Batman has, a bunch of agents and they're all Robin. They're all in Robin costumes. <laughs> and it's, I guess it's Tim and Dick and all of them, Stephanie. Um, I thought it was fun. I liked the art. I thought it was a fun pulpy read. I was, a, I wanted more Bigby of course, but you know, I guess that's, will be issue two and on. I wanted Bigby to be more Bigby too, which like usually you have that complaint when it's a new writer taking on a character, but this didn't feel like the character that I know and love yeah, much, not, even though it's still Willingham writing it, but yeah, not yet. Like, anyway, I mean, he didn't. Yeah. Bigby didn't have any dialogue, did he? He's not just, really. That fight, I was kind of like, hey, my Wolfie can pull some more punches than that. Like, <laughs> kind of sad, but I like the mood of the art. But as soon as you zoom in and look at the faces, it, it kind of falls apart. Um, and I found myself lost a couple times trying to track what was going on in the background panels. Like, there's somehow background panels in here and the like a lot of things overlap and violate borders and it almost felt like a michael bay movie where everything is always kinetic even when you should just be having a quiet conversation and not moving the camera in some dynamic way yeah it off it felt like almost every single page had some panel or something that was like hey did you see what we did there hey did you see that cool thing that we just did yeah Yeah. and some of the panels were books i loved it And I love this new villain. I don't even know his name now, but he's a he's a a book themed villain. Well, yeah, there's Miss Mr. Burroughs and Miss Faulkner. Yeah, all his henchmen. Uh, and are... Salinger Salinger is the bad guy, right? Um, one of them. Yeah, that's he's one the, of his henchmen. Yeah, the 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 really bloody henchman to yeah. God, I can't remember the name of the main guy, but obviously yeah. he and his girl are from another um uh other universe um and here they are in- yeah and i don't know if we ever actually got the name of this new villain who's book themed oh yeah maybe not and classy is is molly grace the woman that gordon is with is she from fables colette no okay she, not that i maybe she was from jack i didn't ever read jack yeah no, I, don't, he was I could a see that annoying fuckhead yeah i don't i don't remember her from fables but I, I, did, I only read the main series well what do you guys give it I, I i had a hard time coming up with a score for this um i give it 9.5 roman 
I like it. That's a that's a Nia Gooey. Nia Gooey. I like I liked it a lot. I'm looking forward to Bigby tearing Batman a new one. Here comes Colette putting putting reality back in the world. <laughs> I would give it a six. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd give it a seven. I'm glad you really liked it, Roman. Yeah. I still want to know which Robin that was in the beginning. It's all of them. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you've been you've been very patiently flipping through other comics just now and grabbing shit off your shelf and like you've been doing some some of your own research are you about to butt chug ivermectin is that is that what's going on here i'm just going through some of my old like childhood spider-man oh, comics boomerang the boomerang venom lives issue or like bagley the, uh, yeah or like this this cool one you know larson that's, that cover is the first appearance of venom's waist um like his poo i uh what oh really yeah, the, the green, green stuff, the, the green slime is his waist, according to De- Donnie Cates. Um, yeah, I, do. oh, I thought you were saying waist, like W-A-I-S-T. I thought oh. that as well. Um, but it's because I have Amazing Spider-Man issue 441, which I feel like when I got that as a kid, it's because I was in a book, was told that it was the, the issue where like May Parker is in this like ceremony with Norman Osborn, and it's what gives her the power to become Spider-Girl. I think I can't remember. I was trying to remember jog my memory on why that issue stands out in my mind and why I still have it. Um, but I'd have oh, to... I don't even recognize the cover of number 441. Yeah, exactly. So I have to look at my idea or my Tom DeFalco written, you know, DK Spider-Man, everything you need to know about Spider-Man mm-hmm. book to see why I sought <laughs> that one. out. Everything you need to know about Spider-Man when this book was written right. 15 years ago. Based on, <laughs> oh, I mean, 20, 25, uh, the version I have. If you want some Spider Girl, I just priced them up and they're in our back issues now. Nice. Oh, run, you guys. Nice. <laughs> you shit. Um, that's why no one listens to this thing anymore. Helen <laughs> shits shamelessly. Um, human. Well, I almost like the fart recurring joke more than the nobody listens recurring joke. Yeah. Uh, human Remains number one by Peter Milligan and Sally Cantirino. Scout Comics. A new Scout comic. Vault comics, even. Oh, God, I'm sorry. They both live in my mind in the same spot because I have to order them from a tangential distributor. Yeah. (laughs) The same tangential distributor, Lunar. So this is uh, in a world. In a world. Very much like um, The Quiet Place. It had such strong Quiet Place vibes to me. Where if you have a, 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 a noisy emotion, like if you have an emotion in anywhere um these monsters will kill you and so it's a, a lot of it is set before and a lot of it is set after but it's like we're, we're getting told that if people have an emotion these monsters are going to get them and we meet some people that we like uh we see some murders that are gross and by the end of the issue we have a really like almost impossible to translate visual of this monster it's, it's like, a lovecraftian crawdad yeah it's like a shrimp with with tentacles that don't have suckers coming out of its mouth and because they're tentacles bones. without suckers are fucking horrible it's their bones buddy they're bones <laughs> bones well, there's bone bones tentacles. but it also looks like there's just white flippy things and yeah you're right yeah, like tentacle. It, there's some there's some definite hentai appeal in this yeah it's it's the color of a thing that lives so far underwater it doesn't need eyes. Exactly, because it's just mm-hmm. it's entirely white and it has these clear, vaguely uh, pink blue eyes. It's horrid. Uh, like, and you know that a monster's coming, but that page turn at the very end 
kind of got me. I was like, oh, that's kind of a jump scare. Mm-hmm. I like that I li- this. Sorry, Roman, please. I was just going to say, I like it. It's, it's cute. Like, and end of its end of its snout um, pokey things. It's a little snooter. There's yeah. a little something that reminds me of Zero from, from yeah, Before Christmas right. about it. I, I think it's like the, the face and the jaw. It, like it's horrifying other than as opposed to Zero. But you're it, totally right. There's though. something kind of. Yeah. What I liked about it is this falls really comfortably into that vault art aesthetic. Like mm-hmm. it's, you know, like we were flipping through kind of the scout vault tier of books on Tuesday looking at stuff and we were both like well this one looks interesting we opened it up and it was like yeah the art isn't great but it's not bad like it has a unique tone to it It has like a kind Mm -hmm. of um not underground but just sort of like an independent style to it that I I dig like it's it's you know it's It's not image or something but scratchy yeah unrefined scratchy yeah that's well put yeah yeah and the the when when we first start seeing killings by these monsters like this guy is tired of living his life quietly and he runs outside and just starts shouting about his feelings and and then i like it when people get killed for having feelings <laughs> oh my god i just realized how perfect this book was for you i didn't even think about that this also it reminded me of oh with the feeling and i never saw the quiet place movies but it reminded me of something else we've read in comics in the last couple of years where strong emotions would get you killed and i can't remember what the title was was um, it resonant which wasn't emotions but it was like something about sound or like it it was there were waves yeah, that made everybody go crazy yeah. and start killing each, yeah, other, so probably not resonant, each other but that was another vault book it was a very good oh, one yeah. yes yeah. i do really like in this how they uh mentioned that all around the world there's despite the scientific evidence there's people that deny that the threat exists and they're having protests and singing in the park and stuff, which of course gets them all killed. I mean, at this point (laughs) we've, we've kind of discovered that it takes a year and a half of a social thing for comics to just start (laughs) aping that. Yeah. And doing like 2% different. Yeah, Yeah. It definitely had that. Like, I mean, I know some people like, a really heavy handed or just straightforward allegory to a major thing going on. I like mine a little more subtle. It was a little too mm-hmm. on the nose for me. Yeah. Um, I still liked the like, what if we got to see all the people who are fucking sticking their fingers in their ears or ignoring stuff get eaten but it's also like but wait we are seeing people that we disagree with dying and it's not fun right it sucks right Uh well i guess the difference with this though is that it's um it's nope there's no difference (laughs) i'm fine with it um (laughs) i even like it better on this one that they blame some of the people that deny it blame it on uh, the phenomenon being created by elon musk i I like like bill gates i like bill gates leave him alone elon Elon musk he's an asshole (laughs) yeah I uh, think carnage. it was just first mostly per- first appearance of Carnage. Oh, Anybody? Mm-hmm. first appearance mm-hmm. of Carnage. First Cletus Cassidy, anyway. It's yeah. the first appearance of Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> Look at all right, Mr. Hulk 180. Oh, it's the first gosh. appearance of Carnage. That's pages, buddy. You yeah. are just digging through. I didn't know you had so many long boxes of comics back there. It's not so, long boxes. This is one thrash box, but but that's why I remember I hunted these issues. This is why when every time they come by, I'm like, no, that's a good issue because it's the first appearance yeah. of Carnage. You know, the thing is, Jeff never lets us see more of his room. That's where all his long boxes are on the other. Just, just, just off boxes. camera. <laughs> trying to tell me it's the first appearance of Cletus. Look at that bloody Carnage Ugh. murder. It's the first Cameo. Carnage murder. Cameo. 
I love that other than Fucking Cletus, Spectres. other than Cletus from The Simpsons, the only other Cletus in media in the comics is Cletus Cassidy Carnage. I love the I love the name Cletus Cassidy. Beautiful name. Uh, I give Human Remains by Milligan and Shintrell seven and a half. I'm gonna go seven and a half also. Uh, I give it a nine. Whoa, hell yeah. You were a did you were it, in a good mood when you were reading it's, comics this it's, week. It's, it's, it's horrible for some and, of them. It's horrible and heavy-handed in the right ways, and it's bloody, and so far the right people are getting killed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go 7.0. I did like it. I liked it. I liked it. 7.0. Time to talk about Amazing Spider-Man 345 by Eric Larson <laughs> and some other people. I wish that Larson guy would branch out and like do his own creator own character and have it go for like, you know, 120 issues. Cause or 345 is like the, the creation of carnage. That's why this issue is cool. It's cause it's when the symbiote breaks Eddie out of prison and then the symbiote drips down and falls on Cletus Cassidy. And that's what causes him to become oh. carnage. I, I, I love guys, carnage. So I had to hunt down all of the issues related to his creation. Do you guys feel like maybe when you become a bad guy, you should, legally change your name from eddie to edward i don't know you'd be the guy i'd ask about that <laughs> oh, oh, oh. i'm gonna change my name from django to django from django to edward would do the just fine edward. thank you um, speaking edward of Brock. which that new I, i'm Jank bringing it? all that up because that new uh venom movie has come out and i haven't watched it yet but i'm excited too oh yeah um, I see it. before we get out of here let's talk a little bit about sandman lock and key the Chosen Battalion was the previous one. What is Sandman one? Universe, Lock and Key, Helen Gone, One Shot, Number Two is the full title. <laughs> mine doesn't. Mine doesn't say One Shot on it. It does. It does in all of the the Computers. data feeds from DC. Yeah. It's it's just a silly thing. How can yeah, it be? Because, a, yeah. How can it be a one shot if it's got it's the second issue? <laughs> because exactly. IDW published the other one. DC published this one. So from DC's oh. perspective, this is a one shot. It's right. oh, that makes a lot of sense. I didn't realize that, but that you're right. That does make sense. The other one was an IDW, but it did still say Sandman Universe on it. So just rummage around in data for about a year. <laughs> and then this dumb fucking thing that they did will make sense. Um, what? <laughs> did you read this, Roman? I did. And I read the did, previous issue. The did previous... only you and me read this? I don't know. Looks like. Okay. <laughs> so I didn't remember the previous issue because it came out f like forever and a Wednesday ago. Um, <laughs> and so it took me a few pages in before I remembered that like this woman had gone to the house where Sandman was trapped. And that's how we got here. I thought that this book... Although it was long, like this book was as long as Inferno, maybe even as long as Amazing Spider-Man 850. Um, I thought it was excellent. And I thought it did a really good job of almost being a one shot and tying these lock and key side characters in, in a really graceful way, whether you've, whether you had read the, the issue zero and the, the number one or not. Um, and it gave us a glorious shot of the corinthian licking his eye lips <laughs> which holy shit i never I, I can't believe nobody has ever made the corinthian's tongue come out of his eyes yeah that was a, a gruesome surprise and it also gave like a, a, a i think another origin because i think garth ennis already did that but another origin for uh etrigan's rhyming yep yep well I, yeah and i i guess i always thought that etrigan was going back and forth between being a rhyming demon and not a rhyming demon but maybe oh, yeah. it's just maybe it's oh just yeah reboots. i think i do yeah reboots whatever because i think yeah that maybe that is how garth ennis or somebody after ennis 
did that where Etrigan revealed in a story that he only rhymes like he can turn it on and off. Yeah. <laughs> and, and he rhymes to sound more impressive to mortals. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it was super cool to hang out with these characters that I honestly haven't read since the early 90s when I was reading Sandman the first time. Um, and the way that Lucian's eye grows back is mm. super gross. Like you could, you can see it sort of folding back up from inside his brain. Yeah. Uh, and there was, there were a lot of little Easter eggs, like when they're looking in the, in the cupboard of, uh, the Lovecraft or the, the key house, we see a doctor who hat and scarf. Yeah. I think we see the, a key from labyrinth. Um, maybe the time machine is in there and yeah, just, just some really cool little other, otherworldly images there. Yeah. I really like that too. And now I can't find that page, but yeah. Little things, little background details like that, I really enjoyed, and I enjoyed the main the main story a lot. Yeah, and, it was it was a good adventure through hell. Yeah, and seeing these characters like the whichever demon that is that like just formless black mass that all has just teeth and eyes mm-hmm. within it, whichever demon that is, it's cool seeing these guys again. And the grossest again. thing that that demon said was, "We'll piss on them, tear them apart from asshole to throat, sew them up, and do it again." that's a threat yeah that's a good threat yeah um yeah i i mean i i i just love this team um joe hill and uh is it gabriel rodriguez yeah um so good they're they're they just work so well together and i don't always love the art in sandman books but i do always love the art in lock and key books because it's always gabriel rodriguez yeah yeah and and it is fantastic art and not just on the gruesome hell stuff, but there's a scene when they, when Mary and uh, her little brother fly up to um, the mechanical to, moon. To, to the mechanical moon. And it's a beautiful moon, but there's a keyhole in it. She opens it up and it's, it's the passageway back to key house, I think. And it's just gorgeously done. It's the passageway to the inside of the moon where the key families go before they die. All right. So right. they go there to live forever. And it's, yeah, the the yeah. the issue zero where they explain that brought me to tears like two times. It was really yeah, hard. and then, and really then they sad. walk, and then they walk up that celestial stairway to heaven, and they get to see Lucifer right before he he's cast out of heaven. That, yeah. That's gorgeous. <laughs> it's super good. Uh, I wouldn't yeah. have I wouldn't have expected to allow someone other than Neil Gaiman to make something that I would consider Sandman canon. Uh, yeah. But, but this one, this one did it. I, w- I would give this book a nine and a half. Uh, and if you weight that against all the other shitty scores, I gave shitty comics this week. Um, <laughs> I think, I think you'll agree that it was a good comic. Yeah, I do agree. I, and I give it a 10. Nice. And it probably has ink and a cover stock that is impervious to your acid sweat. It does. Nice. It, didn't, it didn't melt at all. I'm wiping my like fingerprints off it now and it's not smearing. Can I ask you all a question? Um, yeah. I read Superman 78 number two by Venditti and Torres. And in this issue, Superman does that thing where he tears his Superman logo off of his chest and like throws it at somebody and it swallows them awesome. up. Yeah. And I remember that happening in a movie, but only vaguely. Can His Superman logo stays on his chest after that, even though he's just thrown it off. Can yeah. Roman, can you legitimize that move for me? What 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 is happening it, there? Oh, it's, from, it's from either Superman one or two, the Richard Donner films. Um, well, and, yet, and yeah, the two then. Um, so yeah, it's apparently he can rip off layers of his S shield and throw it at people and it expands and traps them in the negative oh. zone. Yeah. Love it. 
<laughs> love I love I that. Yeah, I love that that was in the issue. I got to that part. I was like, yeah, it's yeah, so. I, was, I remember that. And yeah, it doesn't yeah, make any you, sense. But when you just said Torres, Tor- Torres Superman off, was that a was that a joke like a play on words for the artist's name? Of course Alfredo it was. Torres? Of course okay. it was. Um, so. Colette, before we get out of here and, and check in our final voicemail or email, um, do you have anything you want to talk about? I know you've been sick. You didn't get to read a ton of books. I'm just glad that you're here to hang out with us. Is there any thoughts that you have to Aww. share? I, 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 people would rather hear from you than us, frankly. Oh, and I would too. Pshaw, I love hearing Push. from you guys. Um, yeah, I don't know. What did I like? Uh, crossover con- continues to be great. Really yeah. happy that's back. Um, I read Gun Honey number one this week, which was way better than it really had any right to be. Um, and I am very excited to keep reading this comic. Uh, uh, we got the more salacious cover, I think, for the majority of our copies, which uh, makes the it one hundred percent of our copies. Yeah, play. it makes it look <laughs> even trashier of a comic than it. <laughs> I don't know. It was actually a really good crime spy. Most story. of those, most of those hard-boiled Titan books have been really good, if maybe a little like dames and dudes. Yeah. This everyone's like, a dame in there even even the protagonist in this one who's who's a cool chick right yeah but she's definitely like eye candy but her whole thing is she's figured out how to survive and she's fucking hot so she's gonna use that to her advantage kind of thing mm-hmm. anyway it for for a gal who loves me some some hard-boiled crime stuff this was actually pretty great i would i would give it an eight so i would like to see her play jane bond in the next movie jane yeah bond. yeah um Listen, we got an email from Louis Echeverria III. Louis, thank you so much for writing in. Hey, gang. First, I want to say that I love listening to y'all talk every week. I first found... So there are people that listen. Whoa. I first found you there through the Batman... There are dozens of us. <laughs> I first found you through the Batman and Quarantine podcast, and I had to go back and listen to it all to catch up. Wow. That's a lot of episodes to listen to, Louis. Thank you. Oh, thank now you. I'm listening regularly and love it. I just binged all of Batman, the audio adventures on HBO Max and would love to hear your thoughts on it. I haven't watched it yet. I would love to uh, or listen to it. I don't even know that much about it, Louie. So thanks yeah, for I... shining a light on it. The thing that made me think to reach out is that Jason Sudeikis plays Mayor Hamilton Hill. He's honestly one of the best and funniest parts of the show. And I really think y'all would dig it. Finally, I want to ask if you could cast him in any comic book role from Batman to the MCU or an adopt adaptation of an indie, who would you pick? Thanks for being awesome. And check out that vat of soup, Louis Echeverria III. I feel personally attacked. Look at that soup. Look at that soup. <laughs> you should, you should feel personally complimented. Um, what do I think that Jason Sudeikis would around, be perfectly in? Can you imagine? Can you imagine the the Jason Sudeikis kind of Ted Lasso version of J. Jonah Jameson rather than J. Jonah Jameson? <laughs> Just like just shouting like, nice things and just rhymes. the else world's version of J. Jonah Jameson, where it's a nice person instead. I would love to see Ted Lasso trying to be a hardened uh, newspaper runner. Gosh, what if that gave us an evil Spider-Man? I would take that. Get, let Chip Starsky write it then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to see Jason Sudeikis uh, do the voice acting for the cartoon of Ted Lasso. Oh, my God. But that's the not next an hundred years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Jason Sudeikis is one of those people that you could cast him as most any, as long as it wasn't like a Lee, the, a lot of characters I would go, well, that's weird fucking casting, but I'm totally going to watch it and I'm going to enjoy it. And it's not going to be the right 
depiction of that character whatsoever, but I'm not really going to care because it'll be funny. I want Jason Sudeikis to be in the animated adaptation of uh, Bob Dylan's Chronicles. I think he would be a good Green Lantern and he would be a good Hal Jordan. Mm. Mm -hmm. What about a Superman? Oh my God. Talk about hope. Let me curl up under your strong arm in the, the shadow of your winged courage, Ted Lasso Superman. Let and me we would take refuge in your bosom. Finally, we get like a Midwestern accent for Superman. Come oh on. My God. I love that idea. Cool. Oh, about time. About time. Roman, you got anything? You know, it's a character nobody cares about, but I think it'd be cool to see Jason Sudeikis do uh portray Ted Cord, the Blue Beetle. Oh, that's a really good one. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that would totally work. Yeah. Yeah. And even in Superman 78, number two in this, don't they like do a shout out to Cord, Cord Industries in here? Oh, they yeah. do mention. Yeah, they mentioned that. Building. Yeah, I really yeah. like the voice for Lex in this. I think they captured that particular Lex um, Gene yeah. Hackman character really well. That was, another, that was another issue this week. I gave a nine to. That was a great issue. Yeah. Man, I hated it. What if, like what if Jason Sudeikis <laughs> was Max Headroom? So yeah. we'll see if you want to write an email. <laughs> there could only be one Max Headroom. And get a hold of us, have us ask questions. It was we had an embarrassment of riches this week. We had three. How great. That means 25% of the listenership. Um, <laughs> Uh, thank you all for listening. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks for reading comics. Uh, they're great. You should just read a bunch of comics. They're good. Um, yeah, you can send us an email at Jeff at the comicsplace.com and get that on here. You can say things about soup like Django does. Um, Mostly just the amount of it. Look at the vat. Look at that vat. Look at all that soup. Last night when I started feeling sick, Jared went to Dragon River and he got me wonton soup. And it was all I wanted to think about or eat or be or experience in ever in the world. Like, fuck my kid. Fuck my husband. Fuck everything. I had wonton soup. Did you ever read Max in the Night Kitchen, Colette? Yes. There's a part where he gets in the pancake batter. It's like soup, but it's going to be pancakes. So it's like, <laughs> it's the best it's like thing. pancake soup. <laughs> Mix it and mash it. And I don't remember they, all the words, but. Can you, can you tell, tell us real quickly about their wonton? I've never had that there. Now I'm really curious. Oh, it's just like the perfect, relatively clear broth with cabbage that's been boiled to the point where it's just like melts like butter in your mouth. And then there's pork mm. and shrimp wontons floating in the bottom and the butter, all the pepper that's in it settles to the bottom. So it gets spicier mm. the further down you get in the bowl. It's so fucking good. I get it without <laughs> the cilantro because I fucking hate cilantro, but uh, oh, oh, it's just a bowl of perfection like and it makes tomorrow. me so happy. Wow. Yeah, me too. With some extra cilantro because I love cilantro. I do too. And I live with someone who loves it more than I do. Guys, I'm, um, I'm watching the feed here. We we have negative listeners now. Oh, sure my God. How does this... <laughs> they all left to get soup. Oh, my God. Okay, well, we got to get out of here. This was episode 242. Um, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time for 240 Schlee, uh, which is dangerously Schlee. close to episode 250, which is going to be a big deal. Live show, baby. Yeah, live show, the final episode of the podcast. <laughs> we did a great job. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Uh, I'm Jeff. I'm we, never, we never got good at it. We never, <laughs> even in the 250 episodes that we did. I'm Sparky. He's Django, the one that's not talking. Yeah, oh, he has a bit that he I does. Am. He has to go last. I'm Django. Oh. Um, I was wondering, guys. Oh, what were what, you wondering? What's on your mind, Sparky? Pick any team, oh. any superhero team, at least four people. 
which usually there's at least five, right? Because you can't have four. It's even numbers, odd numbers. Like you only Fantastic really do four. even numbers with crab cakes and Fantastic Four. Yeah, it's um, the equilibrium states, and you don't want that for storytelling. I'm curious, <laughs> what type of hat would you choose for each one of those characters in their superhero costume? Oh man, bowlers, no problem. Yeah, all of them. Everybody, Every, like they can, can all have the, different hats. Can you imagine the entire <laughs> X Men squad wearing bowlers? Yes, yeah, it'd be so adorable. A, yeah, that's how you get Roman to give Inferno a ten. Yep, the little <laughs> tiny top hats that clip into their hair. Yeah. I, you know, boaters have made a bit of a comeback. I oh. love me a boater. We can oh. we could put a whole team. What is it that Gunslinger Spawn wears? It just it's a it's technically it's called a Gunslinger Spawn hat. It's just like it's like a it's bowler, a but it's a foot and a half tall. It's yeah, it's so tall. It's just he like looks a, like a like a Puritan cowboy. Yeah, fucking. I want. I would. I would wear the perfectly acceptable podcast team. Us four all wearing those. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell my mom to buy a block. Oh, we'll see y'all next week. Bye.